it's Ashley from Wholesaling Out of the Box. And today I am joined by Kaylee Body, Luna Ancrum, uh, Jacob McPherson, Cameron Peters, and Sean Bowen. Today we're going to talk about the uh, the market, the all-elusive market. So we are recording toward the end of May of 2021. So you'll hear this probably in about four to six weeks. But um, we thought it would be a really good idea to just kind of jump in and see where we're at, how things have been going for this year compared to other years. We all know 2020 was just nothing could ever compare to that. So it, it was a weird one, but just to see where we're at, how houses are looking, how the market is looking. And uh, toward the end, we'll go into some of our predictions. Disclaimer, we are not uh, data scientists or anything. We're not super knowledgeable about what is happening, but it'll be a little bit fun just to see what everyone thinks. Just wanted to get you guys' general thoughts on as wholesalers and Kaylee as an agent slash broker uh, with a brokerage coming, what your initial thoughts are on the market. Like, what do you, what are you seeing in your day to day? Cam, if you take this. I one. see that, um, that it's insane to try to go after anything on the market. And so we just finished an episode about goals, right? And one of the goals there for me personally was to take down three to four rentals this year. Um, and I spent months doing that. Um, and <laughs> It got to the point where I had to refine my own personal SOP, my own personal standard operating procedure that I, I've carved out some early morning time to look at these um, on-market properties looking for a rental. And I had to change it so that there was no need to look at numbers at all. There was no need to look at the property, no need to look at the neighborhood, no need to do any of that. The first step was to call the agent and ask them if they accepted any offers because I'm not going to say nine times out of 10, but about 49 times out of 50, it was already ex offers accepted. It's gone. And it just popped on the market that day. Yeah. This just blows my mind. So I really had to refine that SOP to where it's really just a bunch of phone calls and texts in the morning. And um, so that just tells me that um, it's crazy because those offers are coming in before it's actually going live. So um, obviously there's a network out there and a high enough demand or those properties. So that's what I see. Yeah. Okay. Craziness from, we talked about lending to looking at deals to lend on and the amount of loan to value that these people are trying to get loans for properties has gone up dramatically, even from getting, being brand new to the lending space and seeing that a lot of people are coming at 83, 85, 90% loan to value saying that it's a safe deal. And from a lending aspect, that's just not the case. So that's interesting from that side of things to see it from people contracting up to saying the amount of repairs to saying what they're going to sell it for. It's really interesting to see that side. Jacob. Uh, I think that, I mean, it mirrors what everybody else is saying. I mean, it's just insane. So you have people outbidding people overpaying, um, a similar note to Cam, you know, when it comes to looking at rentals and so on, I mean, we're analyzing deals from just about every perspective, but I've yet to find one that I think even makes sense to take down. So just based on how crazy things are and um, yeah, I mean, it's just wild. So. So then from the, you know, retail perspective, 
that's all great. Everything y'all just said. <laughs> <laughs> so a little different on our side, um, except there's still very low inventories, although um, houses being listed are, are increasing. It's still very low compared to, not compared to this time last year, because we were still in the, you know, the beginning stages of COVID, but prior to COVID. Inventory That's really interesting. Yeah, and I'm kind of wondering, because there have been a lot of articles about like COVID migration, where with the, the increase in working from home, people are leaving some of the bigger cities like New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, and they're going to some of the smaller, smaller towns, um, less populated cities so that they can get out from there. And they're sort of flooding the market because they're able to pay like a lot more than they, than people that are, live there, um, had already yeah. lived there. Yeah. And so how that will have an effect on, um, you know, just the market in the next couple of years and for the next decade or so to come. Um, actually a really good point, Ashley, because that's, um, that's actually happening up here in like the Fredericksburg, Spotsylvania, Nova area. You're getting a lot of buyers that are coming down from DC and mm -hmm. they are outbidding people by 30, $40,000 cash offers up here in this area. Um, that was one of the things that my mother-in-law who's a realtor was, was talking about. It's a huge struggle for a lot of just your regular types of home buyers that are, you know, just looking for a house for themselves. They just, they can't seem to outbid some of these buyers that are coming in from these bigger cities. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, uh, it'll be really, like I said, really crazy to think, to see how things change because of that. And I think, you know, there's a lot, there's still a lot of migration that can happen. And that cute, that work from home shift is really going to change a lot of things. Um, in real estate in general, because people are going to be able, I, I can see people looking for, bigger houses because they want a home office. Um, I say as someone that has a home office, but not only that, but being able to pay more, like I said earlier, and just a lot of weird things that'll come from this. Um, Kaylee was showing us some stats earlier from the, from rain real estate information network. And one of the things I wanted to point out was the days on the market. So, um, Kaylee, do you have that still up? You don't have to share it, but can you tell us what it was in 20, January of 2018 compared to uh, April of 2021, which is the most recent month's worth of data we have? Okay, so days on the market, <laughs> January 2018, mm -hmm. uh, average was 67 days. Um, and for April of this year, average is 36 months. And days on the market is from the time that it's listed to the time it is um, pending closing. So not just, um, it wasn't just sitting there. Like it would been under contract because, you know, takes at least 30 days to close. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what did you say it was for April of 21? 36 days. 36 days. That includes the under contract time period. Yeah. So that has almost dropped to half of what it was yep. in like a two and a half year period like that's crazy yeah and I think it just shows I mean all of the numbers we were looking at on um in there were just so crazy how much it has either like increased or decreased depending on what it's calculating um just in the last year 
the other one I wanted to look at was the um, number of homes for sale. Because I think you you were saying you found something really interesting about that too. Number of homes for sale. Okay, mm -hmm. so um, got an email today. So the available homes are down 40% from this same time last year, but it's up overall. It's up this week overall compared to the the rest of this year, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So this would be if we were able to to see the the graph you could see, but it is increasing. What did you want to compare it to? Well, I think it just goes back to that that inventory um, yeah. thing that we were talking about before. And just how it, like down 40%, that's a lot. Like yeah. the inventory is just decreasing so much and it affects, you know, like we were saying outbidding and uh, how much people are paying for houses. I think another number we looked at was like um, on average, people are getting like 99 to 100% of their list price, asking price right now. Um, and of course, retail sales and wholesale deals or whole, uh, like cash sales are different, but just, I, I think they, they're so intertwined. You can't look at one without the other. Um, and we had some really good talks kind of before this about what we were going to talk about. And I think it was Jacob brought up like, why wholesale? And, or, and Kaylee, I think it was both of you guys. Why wholesale when the numbers on the agent side are looking so good? Right. And I think it comes down to two things. Um, one, it's just being able to do or have access to a lot of different things. Um, and what I mean by that is we've got Kaylee on board and we're, she's our in-house agent or is going to be our in-house broker. And um, just having the ability to work with an agent to see how things are changing and um, having the ability to think creatively for some of these deals. Like some of these deals, I know Sean will be like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And I sit there and I'm like, one more time, slower. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> and Where'd who so, go? <laughs> yeah, not like having more weapons in your arsenal is what I'm getting at. But, you know, you guys want to jump in here because like I said, I, we were having this conversation before and I told them to stop so that we could save it for this. Yeah, I think this is a big, big recognition of why wholesaling matters, why it's so important to understand this model, right, that most fix and flippers don't want to do slash don't even know is available, right? So most people think the only way they can make a, a windfall of money, you know, and I say windfall, meaning $10,000 to $20,000, that they have to go out, buy this house, put the time in to fix it up, and then turn around and sell it and make their money. Not understanding that the ability can also be to go out, get these properties under contract, sell them for the same amount of profit and not have to do all the headache and legwork it takes to rehab. So I think we're speaking to the people that are listening to this. Hopefully you're recognizing why it's so important to understand how to market, understand how to get people in the pipeline to be a seller that works for a scenario that you're going to help them solve a problem, right? So that house is in such bad shape or it's so jacked up, or maybe there's just a lot of emotions in that house or that deal in general. And maybe they don't want to deal with it on the agent side. They don't want to deal with it with the open market side. And do you supply that fix for them? Do you supply that help? 
that's really what I feel as though the difference is here is like, yeah, if you're a realtor and you look on that side, you still got to go find leads, right? But can it only be a listing or can it be a cash offer or can you get creative with the financing in order to do something that helps that seller get out of it? That's what understanding wholesaling is all about. And I think that's what we're hopefully going to dive into here a little bit more with you guys talking to this is that whoever's listening to this podcast today is realizing like, this is why wholesaling is so important. It's teaching you to market, it's teaching you to deal with sellers, it's teaching you to negotiate prices. If anything, you are supplying more in the market as the demand needs inventory. So you're able to give that. So if you can supply that deal to a buyer, they didn't have to go find it. You laid it in their lap. That's what you're getting paid for. What do you guys think? Absolutely. And I think it goes um, uh, back to what we were talking about earlier, too, that a lot of these um, folks out here that need to sell their their home might not be in the condition where they're going to qualify for a buyer on the backside to get conventional financing. Right. There's not it's not livable at this current time. The HVAC isn't working. Um, any one of those things that um, a conventional lender um, your Freddie, your Fannie, your VA, they're not going to back that loan. They're not going to give it the um, certificate of occupancy there. So um, that's not the problem here when you're talking about wholesaling a property and finding a cash buyer who is going to bring that, that house up to the condition that's needed for that conventional buyer to come and buy. So again, supplying yet another home um, that there's the demand for back into the market, um, just not as direct, take a couple more months, but still it's there. It's part of the process and it's another home that's ready for a family um, that was not quote unquote livable before. Um, so yeah, I think that's really important. The as is sale is really important here because a lot of the time um, you're as a wholesaler, you're not really doing those big inspections where you come back with like the, the crazy list um, of all the things that need to be done. You're basically just making sure it's not going to, the house isn't going to collapse tomorrow because of termites. Um, or there's not like $20,000 of septic issues, which are things that we have run into. But for the most part, that's like the only time we go back and we're like, this is like a really big problem. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else you guys before? Yeah. I'm going to play devil's advocate with that. But yes. what I'm saying is actually is, is true. So as is, yes totally uh, beneficial and that's what works here in the wholesale world but right now with this market that's how houses are being sold on market too um because people need a house there aren't any houses to buy so they're okay putting down the larger down payment on a conventional rehab loan um to to buy it as is so that that still that still is playing in both worlds actually yeah. So do you think that includes the like the really bad properties that are not livable at the moment? Um, depending on the rehab loan. Okay. Hmm. What does all this mean? Like, should I wholesale? Should I, if I'm going to be a wholesaler and I'm talking to sellers, should I recommend that they go and potentially list it with us as opposed to my buying it directly if it's something that you can't you just can't come to an agreement on price like what 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 does all that mean i think that goes back to the talk the rapport the do i trust like and believe you as a company that's going to solve my problem right there are people that are willing to go on the market 
there are sellers that are like, fine, I'll let people walk through the house. Right. But you're going to get people that are emotionally attached to certain things that do not want that to happen. And that's where the wholesale model comes in play too. Are you the person that's going to help them solve their problem? Are you, do they like you? Do they trust you? Do they believe anything that you're going to do in what you've told them in the entire, this entire transaction? Because on the other side of that is the listing retail world. And if you, I think that's the benefit of being a wholesaler. So yes, I think this is the prime time to understand marketing, understanding rapport building, understanding follow-up, understanding how to actually have a talk with a seller. That's not from just the typical agent. I'm going to list it for this. This is the commissions. We're going to do this. And there's just, there's no, there's nothing. Um, that's what I'm looking for. There's no personal touch to it. Right. Like I know that some realtors say that's what they do, but if it doesn't hit their commission, they don't want to do the deal. What's the next thing they're going to do? Lower the price to make it happen. Versus out of the gate, if you can tell that person, this is what you're going to do. This is how it's going to go down. This is the best way I can help you solve your problem and get to that in conclude. That's the game. That's the difference between being a correct, let me say correct, a good wholesale company, right? And doing good business versus just playing the realtor game. And I think fortunately to have Kaylee on our side of the fence for that, she gets to see both sides of it. She's seen from the realtor side to the broker side to really caring side, especially in a transaction we just finished, right? To the fact that we lost about $5,000 in a wholesale fee to do what we said we were going to do for the seller and get the deal done, right? That is the difference between the wholesale model versus just being on the realtor side. Yeah. And I also think you, as like the universal you, if you were listening, you need to think about what's going to be best for you in the long run as well. Because um, like right now, the market is great. If you're an agent, if you are trying to uh, sell your house, it, it's amazing. But when it inevitably crashes again, how, like, how does that affect you and your ability to support yourself and your family? And I think wholesaling is one of those things that we're even with the market where it's at right now, we're doing pretty good as wholesalers. Um, we're going to do better when it crashes. So just knowing like, okay, if you're doing pretty well as a wholesaler right now in the market, the way it is, you're going to do even better later. So is it better to do that for the long play? I agree. Um, 100%. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. So. Been there and, as and I started 2010 when it was at the bottom and then rode all the way up. And I'm up here being like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> this is crazy. And then we've seen people in the cycle, right? And now it's going to go through it, hopefully, and then come back off of this cliff. And then we'll be going through another cycle. But that'll be really cool to watch, you know, back down yeah. to the times where the same house we're buying today for $80,000, we were buying for 40, you know, like back in 2010. So very cool. Very cool to be on the ride. And that's something that's really good to bring up too, right? Like the one thing that never changes in wholesaling is the motivation, right? Like no matter what period of time you are in, no matter what the market is like, there are still those people out there that they have motivation to sell their house. And the realtor agent model is not always going to fit that. And once you get to a point where it falls off, then it's even better, right? Like you're saying, especially if you're somebody who knows what they're doing, you know how to negotiate, you know what to look for, you know how to find it. Like that's when it becomes really beneficial to be in that wholesaling world. Because at that point, the thing that really changes is the level of competition, right? 
now all your buyers that were doing the onesie twosies, right? Maybe they bought too high, the market flips on them in six months and now they're at a loss. Well, shit, I don't want to do that again, right? So I think that that's, that's a huge piece of this moving forward and that definitely changes the game. Yeah. Um, Luna, I wanted to kind of get your perspective. I know that you're very new to real estate, um, but just what your thoughts are based on what you've learned so far, what you've heard us talk about today, like your general thoughts on the market or like how you think marketing will change the market moving forward. So I definitely see the, the room for, I see the potential for developing those more interpersonal connections and how focusing on that kind of marketing where it's more about the relationship with the seller and the buyers and having that rapport versus just having like the cut and dry like oh yeah this is what we're going to do and it's very taking things away from like a corporate level and changing them into something that's very personal and connected is very important especially going forward I think as we see the shift from like who's going to be selling their houses especially I think that's going to be important I know like generational shifts are always important to look at but especially like looking at the way that certain marketing techniques have fallen flat over the years like certain more like um, detached and very clinical types of marketing have become super almost phased out. And now marketing tends to trend towards, well, yeah, we'll jump on trends, but a lot of the time they're trying to draw in this very personal side. A lot of marketing centers around trying to make the customer feel special or heard. And it's very interesting to see how that could play into this as well, because you do want to start out that way to ensure you can start building those relationships to do what Sean was saying and just have that personal side of things going forward. So it's interesting to see that because that is definitely something I see going forward just in general with marketing and all fronts. So it's just cool to see how that would apply here as well. All right. I got one last question for everyone. Our big prediction time. Um, when is the market going to crash? And I want a month and a year and we'll go clockwise um, on my screen. So Kaylee, you're first. I am going to say March, 2024. Luna? I'm going to go with, I think September of like 2023 after the whole like summertime brush thing. Cause I know I had to deal with that with getting my apartment recently where everyone wanted a place to live. And I was like, I just need a place to live. Like, oh my God. <laughs> That was stressful. Yeah. So that. Jacob? Yeah. Okay. Jacob? Uh, I don't know. Everybody's like, everybody's throwing me off now. I got to stop listening to other people's answers, man. <laughs> um, I was thinking that it was probably going to be sometime towards the, I'll call it like end of first quarter, maybe second quarter of 2022. So next year. So. Not that it's going like to crash. But I April? think flip. Yeah. Yeah, because I think what's going to happen, I've, I mean, I've, I've spoken to a handful of lenders and so on, and um, one of them being relatively large. And the thought there is that, you know, interest rates, of course, are starting to go back up, right? right? Um, you still have low inventory, which I think is keeping things running. So, but I'm also starting to hear in the background that whole idea of like, well, you know, as a seller, right, I can go and I can sell my house and I can get the most I'm ever going to get. The flip side of that is that, well, shit, now I got to go and buy and I'm going to be buying at the highest that I've ever bought at. So is there really anything to be gained there? 
and I don't know. So if you have that mentality starting to come into play, does that start to shift that supply and demand curve? I don't know. So, and does the government moving forward, do they make changes maybe on a federal level to try to keep things moving forward, right? Maybe giving uh, additional subsidies or tax, tax breaks or whatever have you to try to keep the real estate market moving forward, I don't know. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how the next year plays out. Okay, Cam. January, 2022. Okay, any reasoning behind that or just? Nope. That's just okay. what it's gonna be. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. So Look at that, that confidence. <laughs> your date, is that also like Jacobs? That's when it will start to level out or flip or when it will crash? Yeah, I don't know that. I don't know if we're going to have a crash, but I think that's when sales, I think that's when price points will move down. I yeah. think it's going to keep creeping, keep creeping, keep creeping. And then the craziness, it's got to stop at some point. And I think at that point, that will be um, around about a year when we started to see the start of it. I just don't understand how it could sustain it much further than that. Because like Jacob said, and I know a lot of personal friends who have jumped on this and sold their house and they got nowhere to live and then they're going to rent and it's, it's insane. People are getting to the point where they're doing things to me that's irrational for a short-term game. So I think that only lasts so long. So January. So I'll give it this year. Okay. Yeah. And I should say that I don't think we're hopefully going to see a 2008 level crash. No. Um, yeah, I don't think so either. But I think it will, like, it's not going to dip as low, but it's still going to dip a little bit. And that's kind of what I was thinking. So if you want to change your answer on that, based on that, Kaylee, you can. <laughs> wow. Um, Sounds like Ashley just does not believe that it's going to be all the way out to 2023 or 2024. Well, no, I'm not saying that. I just like, I, it sounded like Kaylee took a different direction with my question than yeah, I did. I did. Oh, so um, I want her to like be able to change her answer if that's what she wants. And Luna, this scene in, in this market in Hampton Roads, um, how things right now, things are still literally up and down up and down um and right now it's it's in increasing as far as um yeah um the rates increasing as far as um slightly increasing as far as the inventory um i do think that will continue and it will level out um i think it'll be a little more than the year though so yeah, I so I'm thinking, I'm thinking the latter part of 2022, beginning of 2023. I think we're gonna have a few more ups and downs before, yeah, it plateaus. Okay, Luna, did you want to change yours? Are we'll you feel like exactly a year? So September 2022. <laughs> still <laughs> September because I still have a feeling, but I don't know. Okay, Sean. It doesn't matter. matter. How long have you been waiting to say that? It does matter. It matters for us, for wholesalers. Yeah. It does not matter. You've and just here, been waiting so patiently to be able to say why. that. Why? Because one, Hampton Roads is inside of an internal bubble with a military like presence, right? So we're inside of like shifting orders of three to four years. So if you go back and watch the crash, we didn't even, Hampton Roads didn't feel that much of it compared to like national level, right? That's a good thing for us here as what we're talking about for a company and what we're talking about for wholesaling, right? 
But again, it doesn't matter because what happens with wholesaling? Numbers are adjust. We adjust to what the market's doing. We adjust to what comes and goes at any point in time. And the benefit is, is that because we market to all those same things, it has to adjust with it. It doesn't matter. And I, that's why I think like it's, yes, okay, I get what you guys are saying, but I don't like, I get it's for fun, but like at the end of the day, like, I don't care. I don't that's care. not how you play the game, Sean. <laughs> I'm just I, like, don't, I don't want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> like, no I, to notary. This no is what I'm notary. getting from that. No purple. No to who cares when it crashes. But again, that's just my feeling. And like, that's just what I think. But I do go back and look at numbers and I do go back and look at history, right? And if you go back and look, Hampton Roads didn't feel the sting that the national market did or like nationally felt like big, big cities, right? That's the benefit of us here is we are almost kind of like, uh, at bay from a lot of other stuff, which puts us in kind of a little bubble because of the military presence that we have here. I mean, we're the second largest military base on the Eastern seaboard. If not the first, I forgot which is first or second, but like Cam, you can chime in on that, but I think it's the second largest military base on the Eastern seaboard, right? From whether it's Navy, uh, army, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We have that bubble that secures us kind of right. So I don't, I don't have an answer because I don't think it matters. <laughs> so, so you, sir, made excellent points. But yeah. you didn't play the game, man. <laughs> I get it. You lose points it. also. Yeah. You lose your points. So when we have a winner and yes. whoever chose correctly, yes. you're just not in the game for that. Because totally agree. Totally I mean, agree. the person that wins really just gets bragging rights. But honestly, it's going to, like, whoever wins, that's a lot of bragging rights. So... <laughs> um that's awesome okay so, i was waiting the whole time to say that <laughs> mine now that sean has uh been on his little soapbox and delivered an excellent <laughs> speech mine is october of 2022 and i'm kind of in the same time frame as luna where i feel like that end of the end of the summer um like when people have stopped moving for school and everything and i think part of that is uh because we're that big military area a lot of people choose to go in and buy houses a little bit early um if they think they're going to get orders in the middle of the the winter because they want to move with enough time for their kids to adjust to school and everything so i know that that's a huge huge factor that uh comes into play so october 2022 which means our earliest is cam in january of next year and our latest is um me yeah kaylee in uh december of 2022 or january of 2023 in that range um because you didn't give me you just said like end of the year beginning of the next year (laughs) but yes i know time is up sean but you you took us over (laughs) with (laughs) with your speech about how it doesn't matter (laughs) So, (laughs) price is wrong. Um, Okay. So, as Sean eloquently put it, it is time is up for us now. So, I just want to thank everyone for being on here to have this discussion. And for all of you that are listening at home, um, if you get the chance, please like, follow, subscribe to us on all of our various channels. We've got Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Um, your podcatcher of choice. And if you get a chance, leave a review because we've got some pretty awesome things coming for you. And I know that um, 
we would really love we do some something special if we can get us like I think we have two iTunes reviews right now and I can't find the other places so if we can get like 25 we'll do something special and fun and you guys can write in and tell us what you want for that so yeah that's it and thank you guys for listening again and we'll see you next time later <laughs> <laughs>